Today on the Ave Podcast, we're at the halfway point of the NBA season, and there's no better time than right now to break down the first half, right? So I'm joined by Bill Gagne of the World City Hoops Podcast as we break down our all-NBA picks from the first half of the year, if the success of the Utah Jazz and Phoenix Suns is sustainable, if we should remove the unicorn moniker from Kristaps Porzingis, plus we discuss Brooklyn picking up Blake Griffin, if the Lakers and the Nets are still the favorites to meet up in the NBA Finals. Plus, we share our thoughts on the All-Star Game Day and so, I mean, so much more. Sasha Raff is available wherever you listen to your podcasts, including places like Spotify and Apple Podcasts for starters and anywhere else in between. Listen, rate, review, and subscribe to all of my shows. Hit the favorite button, hit the like button, and I'll let you in on a little secret in the game of life. All right? Whenever you're mapping out the direction of your life, you click on all the five stars when you listen to a podcast on South Sharive Radio. It's worth to grow on. And to check out my entire catalog of podcast shows, make sure you subscribe to SouthShareAv.com. Once again, that's SouthShareAv.com. It's the Av Podcast of Cal C on South Sharive Radio. And also, knowing is half the battle. Welcome to the Av Podcast with Cal C on South Sharive Radio. Welcome to the Av Podcast. My guest today has his own podcast. I was his first guest on his podcast. And a few years ago, he was not the most sarcastic voice during our voice trip to the NBA Summer League pilgrimage in 2018. That's a lie. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Bill Gagne of the World City Podcast of the show. How are you doing today, sir? I'm good, Kevin. Thank you for having me. I'm glad I could return the favor. And I did not know you were going to bring that up. I did not know I was sarcastic. I thought it was more condescending. Well, yes, that's that's true. That's my mistake. You were actually more condescending. It was it was actually like a nice blend of of, of condescending and sarcastic. It was like it was like a cocktail. It was nice. It, it matched the mood of Vegas. I liked it. It was, was kind of cool. <laughs> Between that and my brother-in-law saying that there was going to be civil war, I mean, hey, it mix it up. <laughs> what? What was funny, though, is, um, yeah, I remember that weekend. That was a crazy weekend for me, I remember, because um, uh, I me- remember I had, a, I had a wedding to go to yeah. that same weekend. And I had a cast on my, on my uh, I had a severely sprained ankle. I was in a cast, and I, I yeah. basically flew. I got, I got, I got um, VIP treatment for uh, the airline going. Not coming back, though, but going. <laughs> <laughs> I got it going, at least. And then uh, I had to do the Dukes of Hazard, basically, like getting up first thing in the morning, hopping on a plane to San Francisco and going to the wedding and then coming back first. All I remember is the Monday, the last day we were there for the for the games. All I remember is I was I was literally watching the games and falling asleep, dropping my phone on the, on the floor, <laughs> picking it back up, texting, falling asleep, rinse and repeat. Like that was the whole <laughs> that was my whole experience that one day. Like I was such a mess. When I got back to that, Vegas, but it was, I will do it again, though. It was a lot of fun. Honestly, life, when life goes back to normal, I already talked to Sunday and what's like NBA Summer League next summer already on my list. Oh, that's I've, already created, I've already created a separate bank account for that. 
Hey, there's there's a couple there's a couple of places I need to uh to visit. That that all got blown up for 2020. I'm like I'm like overcompensating for 2022 <laughs> if, if everything opens up back back then. So, um, but but, yeah. Yeah, but but the summer league being one of them. Yes, I I totally yeah. Agree. That's time, brother. I I told I totally agree. We uh man, because you know usually it's every two years. We, basically, you realize if not for COVID, we could have saw Zion for what, but like half a game. <laughs> <laughs> I was still super disappointed that first trip because I I just wanted to see Luca, and yeah, he wasn't he, even there. He didn't and I, play. Yeah. Well, we saw yeah, still, we saw Aiton, we saw some guys. We saw your boy tra- uh, yeah. Kevin Knox. <laughs> My boy Kevin. <laughs> yeah, it's funny because we're watching them all play, and I don't know what was better. Being in the gym and feeling like you're at a summer tournament or watching all the NBA coaches and former NBA players walk around in the crowds. You know, it's, I, I, being somebody who's 6'3, that was the only place I've ever been in my entire life where I felt short. Or oh, you just felt like a regular sized person. Yeah. Yeah, you're looking around like, oh, I got 6'11, I got 6'9. Oh, there's Mehmet Oka. Oh, there's Tiago Splitter. Oh, there's Alvin Gentry. It was like, it was amazing. What I mem- what I remember what was crazy. I remember there was a moment where um, I missed this actually. I think this is when I I left for the day uh, to go to the wedding. But I remember um, there was a point where I think I think it was like Houston, like Chris Paul and somebody was talking in Houston, and somebody was talking. Remember that? there was like a big trade. I think around that time. I'm just trying to remember what it was. But I remember there was some. There, I wish I could remember now. But there was some some commotion that was happening. And I yeah. remember it was like it was like huge news, and I remember everybody was like, all of a sudden, it's like you looked up, and within a couple of hours, it was like it was on ESPN and all that stuff. I just I wish I remember what the trade was. It was something at that it was time. Super super cool because there were so many NBA players that would show up to the summer league and sit courtside. Mm-hmm. And Sunday and I actually went to the Vegas WNBA game, yeah, and we were yeah. sitting there, and in walks Demar Derozan. And I think Damian Lillard, they were working out after the game because one of the coaches for the Vegas team, the assistant coaches, was somebody that we knew. Yes. So we stuck around, and then Demar and Dame showed up to work out, and you're like, "Damn, this is you're you're just like in the middle of the NBA. Everybody's here. Everybody's here. Yeah, it's 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 basically it's it's become the the mecca, the meeting spot. Like the that first weekend of summer league is the best time to go." It's the best yeah. time to go because everybody's there. Everybody congregates there. It's the best time, you know. So, so my thing was, I'm such a nerd is that I was I was looking at all the reporters. Hey, there's Stephen A. Hey, there's Royce Young. Hey, there's Dave McMenamin. <laughs> That's how much of a loser I was. I was looking for Ross Gold. I didn't see her though. Uh, <laughs> you and I, I had different goals. Yeah, I'm just a little disappointed. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but the um, but I remember um, there was a moment too, and I remember where you're just like, yo, the amount of power that was sitting on these three seats. And I remember it was um, it was Steve Ballmer and Mark Cuban and Jerry West was sitting in between the two of them, and they were just right. sitting there conversation. I was more watching them talk than watching the game because I'm yeah. like, yo, I, I'm like, what the hell is that conversation like right now? Because I remember we were walking in the halls. And your brother saw Danny Ainge, and Danny Ainge is like in the corner eating a hot dog. And we're walking by, and Danny Ainge looks up and he sees your brother make eye contact, and he was like, "Oh man!" 
I mean, he, he literally switches into superstar mode. He's like, all smiles. Hey, how's it going? Your brother says, oh, I'm a big fan. And they take a picture. And the minute your brother lets go of his hand, Danny Ainge is back to the hot dog. Like, that's a mission. <laughs> I thought, that's impressive. Yeah, because yeah. That's, that's, the, that's the world, right? Like, they live in, like... And and for those guys too, like even a Danny Ainge, yeah, he wasn't a star, but I mean, you know, you're a basketball junkie, especially if you're you're, you're our age. You remember who the hell Danny Ainge was? You know what I mean? He yeah. had an impact on your life because you you, you spent probably like half of your childhood rooting against him. And yeah, like, whether it was the Celtics, the Suns, Suns the Blazers, yeah. So so you want like yeah. So in, in that moment, hell yeah, you you want to shake his head. I know he's eating the hot dog, but you like. You're like, damn, because like, all you're thinking about is your, is your your childhood memories, your youth. That's all you're thinking about when you see this person. Yeah. Like, all those memories come back. And it's like you want to shake your hand for those memories they created or some of those memories they created. So I, I get the, it. The worst one I saw was Alvin Gentry was in line to get a drink. And he's a couple people in front of me. And these people are, sorry, excuse me. These people are looking at him. And they recognize him, but they don't know who he is. And he's just sitting there going, yeah, yeah, you're right, thanks. Okay, who are you? And he's just like, I'm Alvin Jarrett. Oh, yeah, you, you, you're a player? No, I'm a coach. Yeah, you're a coach. I thought, <laughs> poor guy, I just want the Coke. <laughs> but that's part he's of the life, though, man. That's part of the life, you know, like that's, that's the trade-off, yeah. right? Millions yeah. of dollars totally. doing something you love, and, and you know, like you're, you're getting paid hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars, to either coach watch or play the game yeah if that's the trade-off i mean you know most people will live with it you know it is what it is but yeah if you're a basketball junkie you think it's the best thing in the world right yeah ab- absolutely so yeah so so all that to say that yes we we will be going back <laughs> i'll try to be we'll be try to be nicer next trip no 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 <laughs> keep keep the blend keep keep the uh keep the sarcastic condescending cocktail going it's fine got it it's fine i enjoyed got it. it i enjoyed it it's fine <laughs> <laughs> so so we're we're about halfway through the the halfway mark of the NBA season. So uh, essentially, let's get to business, man. I want to break down our all our, our, our all NBA squads that we're gonna do on the fly. Uh, but let's get okay. to this All Star game or this All Star day, I guess you want to call it on Sunday. What were your thoughts on the All Star day? I can't even call it. Calvin, Calvin, I did not watch it. Wow, really? Dude, I I have probably not watched a full All-Star game in 15 years. Last year, I watched part of the Elam ending thing with Kobe. But, I mean, we're already in the middle of a season where defense has been banned. Now, why do I want to watch the All-Star game when they're going to mail it in? I heard LeBron only played one half. You know, growing up, when was the last time you said, I cannot wait to watch the All-Star game? Well, you know what's funny? Honestly. You know what's for for me? I guess this is where the, the basketball junkie in me comes in. I still watch it every year, but I will say this. So first of all, for me, um, because you know how it is, me that we both live in Ontario, All-Star Weekend usually falls on the same weekend as Family Day Weekend, right? Which is a long weekend for us. <laughs> yeah. So. When this weekend came, I was like, I was like almost going into long weekend mode and I had to keep constantly shaking myself out of it. Right. Knowing that I'm like, like, Monday's not a holiday. The kids, the kids are going to be doing school. Like I, I got to shake out of this. Like I was just in such a relaxed mode and I'm like, I can't be relaxed (laughs) 
because it's not long weekend, but I'm so programmed the last like 10 years or whenever since this weekend came to pass, like or actually it was longer than that. I think it was 2008. Yeah. So I'm just so conditioned to, in my mind to being like, I'm, I'm going to have an off day on Monday, you know? So if you, if you were to survey me and say, look, you can watch the all-star game for three hours or you can watch reruns of murder. She wrote with Angela Lansbury. You think it's that bad? It's, dude, it's going to be a tough choice. <laughs> I just can't. It offends my sensibilities. I just can't. Well, look, I mean, let's you know? like Angela Lansbury, she had skills. Like she was, you know, she did her <laughs> thing on the, on the seat. She solved a lot of cases. She solved a lot yeah. of cases. Usually within the 50 minute mark, which is always amazing. She was very yeah. efficient that way. She was very efficient. That it, it never rang past the fifty minutes. Like you know, like she, she was very efficient. And how many people do you think lived in that town? There's a lot of murders in that small town. Yeah, you might want to move. That's, a, that's yeah, or never visit. <laughs> but I'm looking. I'm looking at the numbers here, right? And you're seeing LeBron thirteen minutes, Giannis nineteen minutes, thirty five points. It was a hundred and seventy to a hundred and fifty. Yeah, and and. Like, Sorry, and you know what? And this brings me to my to my next point because I'm I'm starting to wonder, right? And you're probably going to agree with this the way you're <laughs> the way you're leading right now. I'm starting to wonder if maybe we should just postpone the All Star game for like a year or two and just give it give it back that juice like they did. Remember when um, there was a point? I think it was probably the late '90s where they just they just canceled the, the dunk contest. They just they, oh, just, yeah. they just canceled it for a year, and it was just a it was just the old. The old time game and and um and the sh- and the three point shootout and, and it was just the all star game and then I think the next so it went well, maybe about two years without an all star game in between uh, sorry without a dunk contest in between they canceled the legends game first because they had too many injuries well yeah yeah I mean no no sixty <laughs> year old should be running up and down the court you know trying to cross over no. a man like after they've played twenty years in the league like let them be they could just watch the game it's fine um, yeah so I think for me. I just like last year the Elam ending, the whole Kobe thing was great. But I feel like there needs to be some emotional attachment. The only all-star game I can really remember apart from that is the one Magic was in. When he came, when, when he played, when he got diagnosed with HIV. That's the only one that I remember having any impact on me other than, you know, a bunch of layups and dunks and guys messing around, really. It's becoming... You know, I, I'm I myself. I can't lie. Like I said, the reason why I bring that up is I'm I'm personally tired of watching the lackluster All Star games. I've been watching them far more than you have, I guess. But the last, especially the last six seven years, like especially because when Kobe, I don't say this when Kobe was still like the number one guy on the team. Like he had a way of kind of like playing so hard even during that game. It was like you you everybody kind of carried along with that. You know what I mean? So it was like it wasn't like. Yeah. It wasn't like the not the most exciting game some years, but guys after about the first quarter started playing hard. You know what I mean? Where it's but you like, know, but you know what that might have been too was that that year when Kobe was in his prime and carrying through his prime. That's when LeBron and KD and those guys were just coming in. So they're coming in like, oh, this is a glorified pickup game, but they still were competing because you had. Kobe dialing it up, and you had the young guns looking to maybe take a run at the old guys, right? Yeah. Now, they're all the same age. You know, they're all been around each other, played AAU, played all these things. They all know each other. Very different now. 
that they, they've made it more, especially in the last six, seven years, they made it more gimmicky. Like now it's, you know, they, they got team captains that pick it now. And, um, you know, which whatever case, some years it's fine. Um, like, like I said, the one last year with, um, you know, the, the Kobe inspired all-star game, that actually was a great all-star game. Um, especially yeah. the end, the end was, the end was like probably one of the best that I've seen in like a very long time. And I think maybe a couple of years before that, it was actually competitive. It's like, it's almost like once that initial gimmick after the year, after that initial gimmick comes through, it's like, it just goes back to being like a lackluster game. They got to keep trying stuff to figure it out. One thing I do like about the NBA versus other pro sports leagues is that they're willing to try new things. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a plus, especially if they fall on their face, then you can sit there and analyze and say, did this suck because the idea sucked or did it suck because we didn't execute the idea to its best potential or did we tweak this? I like that about the NBA, that they're always trying new things. Yeah. So I wouldn't say abandon the all-star game altogether, but maybe find a way to condense it or make it more player-friendly, but they might want to be there because now it's this five-day commitment, whereas if you did something where you had the all-star game, the dunk contest, and you just put it all into maybe one day as opposed to Friday, Saturday, Sunday, maybe you might get more from it. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's still a, it's still a very, I mean, it's, it's other than like the playoffs and NBA finals, it's by far the biggest weekend or the biggest event for for the NBA that they have on their on their calendar. Like, there's no question about that. All the celebrities yeah. that come through, all the parties and the economy it generates, you know, when, in, in whatever city yeah. that it's in during that time, like you can't you can't dispute that. You know what I mean? But the game itself. It's it's no to yeah. me it's no different than other leagues now where like where like the All Star game to touch on your point was like it was it was culturally relevant it was important mm -hmm. and it's not as impactful now like the the the, the, yeah. the honestly the three point contest is something that's probably like the money event right now but I, I don't know man like even the dunk contest like you know and it's not the you know you you look back in the day like now it's it's at a point now where it's like okay like Obi Toppin. Um, Anthony Simons and and Cassius Stanley played in it. If you're unless you're a die hard, like I mean a die hard basketball <laughs> fan, you're like, who the hell are any of these people? You know what I mean? So it's like 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 not even like the not even like the 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 semi stars are even competing in things like this now. So you, you're just yeah. kind of like, what are we doing? Like, I don't know. Yeah, where where you get the big names in the three point shootout, right? Yeah, yeah. And it's exciting, like Steph Curry, like that, you know, like like him and Conley, like they both balled out in that um in that three point contest, and you know, and and, and Steph Curry made it entertaining because he it went down literally to the last shot, you know. So that that event is, is for some reason has always held its weight in, in gold, but now it's and I don't I still don't mind the weekend because sometimes you get good like good events like certain the three point contest is always the one that's always great. I think you need to cancel the celebrity game. Don't do that anymore. I essentially think you should cancel the rookie game. Don't even do that anymore either. I think the the rookie game has been useless for like the last, I don't know, honestly, maybe, yeah. maybe at least 20 years, if not more. Um, but you and I look at it from the point of we love basketball. Mm -hmm. The NBA looks at it as it's a revenue-generating real estate. Right, and it's a celebration <laughs> too, right? So yeah. I, I, get all, I, I get all of it. Go on, sorry, go ahead. Yeah. So if they have three days, they are dominating three full days, mm -hmm. Friday, Saturday, Sunday. It's all NBA, 
Nobody's competing with them on TV. They're going at it. They're never going to give up that revenue. No, you know what I mean? Absolutely. I, I, I get it. But I'm just saying because I guess the basketball fan in me, like, yeah, I, I want to see at least, at least, like, <laughs> Manador defense, maybe. <laughs> it's not even at that level. It's, it's, it's past that now. Like, it's like just letting guys go to the basket and dunk it for, like, full quarters on end. It's like, yeah. okay, like, this, this is like the 30th dunk, and it's not even, we're like five minutes into, like, the second quarter. We've already yeah. got a bunch of dunks. Me. What upsets me, too, is that all-star games over Sunday, I'm not going to get a game on TV till Thursday. That's okay. Like I, I like I said, that part of it I, I understand. But I, I'm kind of like, it's funny because I know, you know, the reason obviously why they did this game, and I know a lot of people opposed to having this, this weekend, be, uh, even this game because of the pandemic and stuff. Um, so I, I totally get that. And, I, and you know what? And looking back on it now, maybe this was probably the year to postpone the game. Just so you can give it back that initial boost of life again, yeah. the, the actual game itself. You know what I mean? It's it's like yeah. you know what I can compare it to. It's almost like actually let me let me let me save the comparison. Let me not get myself in trouble. But <laughs> but, but but like it's yeah, it's just one of those things. Like I feel like they they I don't know, man. It's like they got to do something with the actual game. You know, like that game used to mean something, and to me, it doesn't really mean. It means everything until tip off, but then it doesn't mean anything after that. Like it, it really, it's like it's yeah. really like a. a I, it's I an entertainment it's a scrimmage. event. That's not even a scrimmage because the scrimmage is more intense. It's not even a scrimmage. I don't, oh. I don't, I don't like it. I don't, I don't like that part of it at all. I, w- I wish it was better in that aspect. Um, yeah, it's. It, I can't spend my free time watching a layup line. I mean, that's what you're watching. You're watching shooting drills. You're watching layup line. You're what? That's what you're watching. And then I now I gotta wait four days to watch a real game. Yeah. And then that's to me, it's just like it kills that part of it because basketball for me is always on on TV in the background. Well, you know what? On that note, then so let's um we'll we'll, we'll touch on some questions before we pick their all NBA teams. But um, so far Whatever we're watching the do. six. No, I was gonna say. So far, we're watching the success of Utah in terms of being the the best team in the league so far at, at this at this point of the season. Is is, yeah. is Utah's success sustainable? I'm I'm hard pressed to say no, mm-hmm. but at the same time, do they have that one guy down the stretch who's going to get you that bucket? Right? Do you have the star power, those closers to make it happen? Can they make a deep playoff run? Sure. Do they have the synergy going that can make it work? They defend well. They've got good ball movement. They've got shooters, defenders. They've got depth. To me, the question is, is Donovan Mitchell and to a lesser extent, Mike Connolly, are they going to be the scorers that come through when they need a bucket? When the game slows down, you can't always generate offense from your defense. Sooner or later, you need to manufacture points. Can you do that? They seem to have done a great job so far, but we'll see when the big bright lights are on and they got to come through against the Clippers or the Lakers, you know. Or, hey, look at what the Nuggets did last year and they caught fire. Or do you really want to play a motivated Luka Doncic in a seven-game series? I don't. I know Utah, they always have this this misconception of being this boring team. They're kind of like the Spurs in a sense where you just see yeah. the name, 
the team name, the city, and you're just like, ah, oh, that's going to be a boring game. And really, with them, it's it's based on that whole Stockton and Malone thing, right? Like the whole pick and roll, just their, their mm-hmm. efficient offense, which was great, but it wasn't always the most exciting to watch, especially as they got older, right? Yeah. But, I mean, their prime was almost 30 years ago. You know, like, to me, they were exciting to watch when Darren Williams and Carlos Boozer were there. And to me, they're exciting now. Like, it, as a fan, yeah. um, who doesn't like watching Donovan Mitchell play? You know, who doesn't like watching Michael yeah. Conley hoop? Like, the way that that team plays on both ends of the floor. Like, if you're a basketball jump, junkie, to me, yeah. they're like a top five team to watch. Um, they're well coached. They are well coached. One thing that Jerry Sloan was, Jerry Sloan, even with the boring Utah teams, they ran great stuff. When he had Darren Williams and Carlos Boozer, they were not a super talented team. I mean, you had uh, Andre Karolinko, who may have had the best NBA nickname of AK-47 mm-hmm. ever. And, and they and, ran... And off-court agreement. He had the best off-court yeah. agreement. We won't get into that, but go on. <laughs> yeah, no, we'll keep that between you and me. Uh, and they ran great on-ball and secondary ball play, they were great to watch if you loved basketball. If you loved the superstars in the one-on-one, you weren't super going to get into that. I loved Darren Williams because he was just a physical, stocky, powerful guard who could just play a ton, and then the wheels kind of fell off the bus as he got older. But I think this Utah team with Quinn Snyder, who is revered as an excellent coach, is well put together. They have secondary ball handlers on the bench in Joe Ingles and Jordan Clarkson, who is definitely playing above what you thought he was maybe with the Lakers, you know, because you're just like, what's this guy going to be? And now he's six-man-of-the-year candidate. Yeah. I think he he has it running away right now, that that award. Yeah. You You have to say that Utah is the biggest surprise of the season because there's no way anybody sat there and said, yeah, yeah, I think the Utah Jazz will have the best record in the NBA. Yeah, I think no. I think you thought they're going to be good. You thought they're going to be a playoff team, but but here's the thing, though, right? Like every couple of years or so, there, there's always a, a a team that kind of pops up on that elite level, and we always yep. think it's going to be maybe a certain team, and then all of a sudden it's another one that comes and has you know that 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 maybe had some playoff scars in the past, and they just kind of yep. leapfrog everything, right? Like even, remember the Hawks five years ago. Well, I'll even take it further. Like even ten years ago, right? With the um, what was it the Easter Conference? Like we all thought it was going to be Chicago, right? Especially when the Big yeah. Three in Miami got together, we all thought it was going to be Derrick Rose that they were going to be having these superhuman battles, you know, in the playoffs. And then Derrick Rose gets hurt, you know, Boston gets a little older. Then all of a sudden, Paul George and the Pacers pop up, and next thing you know, yeah. they're they're battling the Heat in, in the Eastern Conference Finals, right? And then, you know, you go a few years after that, you look at the Clippers, right? And everybody mm-hmm. thought Lob City, they were, they were going to take that leap. They were going to be next, especially after the Spurs won. They're going to be the next team. They're ready to go. Then you know what happened. Uh, a team up the up the coast in, in, in the Bay Area, all of a sudden, <laughs> like, like just, yeah, they just, they just, they did, they did a Superman leap above them and they basically owned the league for the next five years, you know? Yeah. And, and then I think even this year, like, you know, we thought it was going to be Denver because they made the conference finals and, you know, look like Jamal Murray took a leap. And you're looking at all the pieces that are getting together. Another year of, of Michael Porter Jr. getting better and, you know, getting more experience. And 
you know, relatively healthy. I wasn't drinking stuff. that Kool Aid. I, I well, I I like Michael Porter Jr. But the, but the thing is, you thought yeah. it was gonna be. You wouldn't have been surprised if it was gonna be that team. But then you know, injuries yeah. and everything else, kind of like took that team in a bit. Then all of a sudden, now it's Utah. You look up and Utah's on the top of the mountain so far, and they're kind of running away with the with the conference at least so far. You know, well they're built. They're built like you got to manufacture your team. It's not put a bunch of studs together and win. Denver clearly is hurting right now from losing Jeremy Grant and some of their depth. So that's a problem for them. And Michael Porter Jr. Has, hasn't advanced as much. And as great as Jamal Murray is, and he's been hurt, so. I don't think it was, yeah, and I don't think it was realistic to expect him to be going for 50 burgers all the time like he did in the bubble. Right. You know, it, it just wasn't realistic. And even when you think teams are well put together, how many people last year thought, man, the Clippers, how are you going to beat that team? And you saw the wheels come off the bus, and they're still having problems this year closing games out, mm-hmm. which is surprising given the talent of closers they have with Kawhi and, Le- and Paul George. But they don't have a point guard to organize them, and once it gets tight, they're kind of lost. So you never know until the games start getting played. And even now, we're looking at teams. Did you think Boston was going to be 500 right now? Yeah. We don't know. And then you have other teams like, I didn't think Charlotte was going to be this good. I didn't think the Knicks, I was sure the Knicks were going to suck. The Knicks are decent. Yeah, the Knicks have been solid. They've been more than decent. They've been solid this year. So you, it's so hard to tell year to year. You can have themes that carry through. Do you think, given where we are, if AD comes back healthy, are the Lakers not still your favorite, or are you picking somebody else? Well, that's a question I would I would uh, we're gonna we're gonna knock over in, a, in the next little bit. But uh, like that's gonna be interesting too. Like his injury history kind of scares me. You know, to be honest with you mm-hmm. too. So. Yeah. Um, but it's going to be, I mean, we know the type of player that he is, you know, um, but it's it's going to be interesting with, when he comes back. Like I said, we'll, we'll touch on that in a little bit, but I don't know. Like, I, I feel like with, with Utah, like, I think surprisingly like this is sustainable because this is not like a team that just went from being shit to all of a sudden, you know, now they're just this team and we don't know what's going to happen with them. Like, they've had some playoff wars, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, even last year, like, really and truly, if they had uh, Bogdanovich in the bubble, they were probably at least making the second round. Like, they were a Hail Mary three from yeah. playing the Clippers themselves. You know what I mean? Like, right. if that ball didn't go in and out <clears throat> on that Mike, that Mike Conley three, there, there is very mm-hmm. well them playing the Clippers and not Denver, right? So, like, they're, they're, I mean. You know what else they have? They have continuity. They have guys who have been in that system, who mm-hmm. played together, who know how to play together, who just know how to play. Like, Joe Ingles is – He's not a superstar. Like I'm not trying to make him out to be this all star. But he's a good. He's player a good player. Team. Yeah, for that he's a great role player for that team, especially. Uh-huh. And you need those guys. He is a guy who, on any given night, if something's not going right, he may win you a few games in a season. He could win you a playoff game with what he can do. Hey, you need that. So I mean, I guess the question I'm going to ask here is: Are you talking about is this sustainable for Utah in the regular season, or is this sustainable for them as a playoff deep threat basically i think that question goes for both scenarios um i think it's sustainable for the regular season again health permitting and and no outbreaks uh, permitting um and then i think too 
yeah, I think, again, because they had those playoff wars, you know, they've had a three- or four-year playoff run, too, where, you know, they've been getting knocked out the first round, second round, but they've been through it is what I'm saying, right? Like, this isn't Donovan yeah. Mitchell's first rodeo going into the situation, and all, all these players have basically they've been through it. So I don't think, yeah. you know, the scenario is now coming up against them. It's not going to be something that's foreign to them. You know what I mean? Like, like, it's, yeah, like you look, you're you looking at Conley, like, you know, like I guess we were saying before, like he's going to own that six-man role. I think, not sorry, Clarkson, I mean. Uh, but Conley himself, though, like he, he himself has been properly acclimated to Utah and and basically it's culture. And, and I think that that's one of the very underrated facts. He did not have a good year last year. He didn't acclimate himself no. well to the to the culture. He was hurt. You know what I mean, and and it just he just yeah. didn't feel like he fit in totally, which was which is a little surprising. But now he fits in, like he, he basically and, listen, and he's been healthy this year, right? I listened to Zach Lowe talk about this, and the one thing they said was Mike Connolly spent his whole career playing in Memphis place, exactly. under a, and in a certain style of play. It was him, Zebo, Mark Gasol. He was running the same thing all the time. Now you're going to move from that to a player movement, ball movement offense with Quinn Snyder. He's going to have some interest. Yeah, it's going to take – he's not going to take to it right away. And he's, uh, they're like, now you're seeing him understand it, mm-hmm. deal with it, and excel in the way that everybody thought he was supposed to last. And they just said, he just, he just needed time. And you're going, oh, all right, but that makes sense, you know. Yeah, and like I said, again, he's healthy too. So that helps. Yeah. <clears throat> and then you add that, excuse me, you add that to the consistent growth of Mitchell and even Gobert, because I think Gobert is probably having his best year. Um, yeah. Like looking back on it now, when you add all those things together, you know, especially with Bogdan coming back as well, favors, you know, coming back, like signing back as a free agent, coming back, coming back to Utah. That's a super underrated move, by the way. Yeah. Yeah, like when we look at all that, it's like we shouldn't be that surprised. We shouldn't be totally surprised. Like, we should be surprised, but not like the hat blowing off our heads when we're thinking about the right, situation, right. right? You know, it's like you're looking back on it now, but it's like, yeah, you can see where all this recipe is coming from. You know, yeah, you thought they were going to be good. You just didn't think they were going to be this good. No, abso- absolutely. Absolutely. But like they're they're a solid team. Like when they're on TV now, I'm kind of like, uh, and it's funny because I, <laughs> I still go through that myself where I'm like, Ah, it's Utah. Wait a minute. What am I doing? No, <laughs> it's a good team. Let me let me watch him. I mean, for like a split second, I always go, ah, it's you. And then I'm like, no, 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 no. What am I doing? It's Mitchell. Is this? Is this Conley? Is Clark? Like, it's no, no, no. Let me watch this. Is it the uniforms that turn you off? Yeah, maybe, maybe a little bit, maybe a little bit. Because <laughs> <laughs> the last game I watched them play was uh, right before the All Star break when they played Philly, and that was that was a that was a good game, man. Like they're a good team to watch. They're definitely a good team to watch. Um, you know, I, I should be talking about Philly if their success is sustainable, but I'm going to pivot another way. Um, the Knicks. Is the Knicks' success sustainable? Um, that's a very easy question to answer, and it's no if you expect them to win half their games because of their opponents are shooting 29% on open three-pointers. Mm. And the league average is somewhere around 40. Yeah, 36, 37%. Right? Now, I don't want that to take away from how exciting it is to have the Knicks being good. Or at least not being garbage. Right? Right. And so my question to you 
given what's going on. Do you think Brooklyn will ever be New York's team, or if the Knicks are good again, is it just, oh, yeah, right, we're Knicks town? Oh, no, that's an easy question to answer. It's going to be a Knicks town. I think Brooklyn has to win probably – they honestly have to win multiple championships, probably two or three, you know, and, and they have to have a run of success over the course of probably like – it's faces. probably going to have to be over the course of at least five years, if not a decade, for them to kind of influence the next generation coming up. Because right now, I mean, you got – you have Nick Lifers that it doesn't matter what's happening, you're never going to change. Like Spike Lee, could be as, as disrespected as he felt from um, from Jim Dolan or James Dolan or whatever, and, and he swore that he wasn't going to go back to games or certain things. You ask him now, he's still like, and he's from Brooklyn. He's from Brooklyn. His office is, is still in Brooklyn, and he's still like, nah, man, I can't root for the Nets. I got to be a Knicks guy, which sounds insane. That's how deep those roots are embedded in, in, in New York Nick culture. You know, so it's, right. so even so even, even had, the Brooklyn Nets are cool. It's like the the Knicks. I just have to make Knicks, sure man. I'm not insane. Yeah, no, it's it's it's, it's kind of like L. A. Right, like even L. A. L. A. Is still going to be Lakers town, no matter how good the yep. Clippers are doing. It's still a Lakers town. It's still a Dodgers yep. town. You know what I mean? Like it's just one of those things. I think with the Knicks, what's amazing is that they have looked like. They have it together, not just on the court, but as an organization. Yeah. They hired a real coach. Leon Rose is the GM, and he seems to have them moving in the right direction. Yeah. You, you saw signs of this last year with, what's his name, Perry and the other guy. Even when things were in the dumpster, those two guys seemed like, okay, this is not going well. Let's just not make this worse. And the, the disappointment with the Knicks last year was that they didn't have to suck, but they did. They chose to. Mm-hmm. And you're just like, why? Why are you choosing to? Whereas this year they said, we are choosing not to suck. We're not going to throw all our money away. We're going to realize that we can't attract free agents and we have to develop as an organization. And I think they've done, they've shown that. And given that they're the Knicks, I'm going to, or piggyback what was said by some of the other podcasts I've listened to is it won't take long for the Knicks to become a free agent destination if they show they're just competent. Yeah. As long as they are not a dumpster fire, they're going to get to Brian Windhorst in his podcast. He says by the end of the year, somebody's going to request, some star is going to request a trade to the Knicks. And I thought, whoa, that's, that's a big deal. Well, I think it's it's the thing about stability, right? It's uh, you know, once once you have a <laughs> you have a stable family, you know what I mean? It it, it looks good to other people, <laughs> right? Like <laughs> it is what it is, like because yeah, it, it, to touch on your point, like even you know they got Tibbs on on the bench, and and not to say that um, that David Fisdale isn't a good coach, but I mean he didn't get a chance, you know, where it's where it's Tibbs, Tibbs is actually getting a chance. So when you when you can give a good head coach, whether young or old, a chance to like be you yeah. know be something, especially in New York, you know, you give them a good sound base, a good front office, he might be pretty good. Like so, yeah, and that's what Fisdale didn't have. He didn't have a good front office, and he had a horribly built roster. Yeah. At least with the Knicks now, when you look at them, they have positional depth. You know, they have players that can put the ball in the hole. They have youth. They. They seem cohesive, right? They're not 
looking to bang in that big star, it doesn't feel like the Knicks of old where they're like, yeah, and then this summer we're going to get these big free agents. I think they realize that that's changed, and now they have to actually build a program as opposed to being, uh, we're just the Knicks. Remember the Lakers a few years ago when there was all these big free agents and LaMarcus Aldridge went in and they're like, yeah, we want you here. Come to L.A. And he was like, their free agent pitch was like the worst. And I think the Lakers realized like, hey, we got to get our act together. And they did. And I think the Knicks are in that boat where they're going, we got to get it together or we're going to suck. Or we're always going to (laughs) suck. Yeah. I think the the wake-up call for them last was last year when they didn't even get a, an interview with like KD and, and Kyrie guys who wanted to come to New York and they had literally no interest in even taking a phone call from, from the Knicks. That's the wake up call where you're like, yo, we're like we're actually not even like, we can't even get you on the phone. Like we're, we're really not relevant right now. Like, yo, that's ridiculous. You know, but you're seeing the template, right? Look at what Toronto did and the Nets. They built a team that was, ready to take on a superstar. They weren't trying to, you know, be anything more than what they were. Solid players, well-run organization, good team. If we're going to talk Toronto, Masai took a shot and he got Kawhi and it worked because he had all the other pieces there. Now look at the Nets. The Nets built that team with Kenny Anderson or Kenny Atkinson. Sorry. That was a, Different generation, Kenny Anderson, Derek Coleman, love those guys. Love Kenny uh, Anderson, jeez. But Kenny Atkinson developed players. They built a good culture. They were fun to watch. They played together. Yep. And they continued to get better. And that's what you're looking for. These big stars aren't just looking for money. They're looking for, are you a good organization? Yep. Are, are you, you well run? Look at the problem. Look at the Bulls. The Bulls have been a dumpster fire for a decade. And it seems like Arturus Karnishevis and Billy Donovan are kind of pulling them out of the dumpster. Yeah, slow, slowly but surely. And yeah. Yeah, but, but you can see, you look at the Knicks, and it's that's the thing. Like, they, they got young players that are developing nicely. Like, they finally did it the way that they should have been doing it years ago. Just build it from the ground up. You start yeah. over, and don't worry about trying to just, you know, um, like go for the home run hit and try to get these free agents to come there. You know what I mean? Without anything showing some sort of stability as you're right. Like at, at this stage, like even in the big market, it doesn't matter anymore because the, because of the, you know, again, I always say this because of social media and where we mm-hmm. are in, in this era right now, it, sh- it has shrunk the world down where, you know, back in the eighties and nineties and the two thousands or what have you being in a big market was, that was a huge pull. You know, because that meant that meant the marketing dollars, the endorsements, all that stuff, you know, business. But like nowadays, that doesn't like you know, that doesn't matter anymore. You know what I mean? Like it's easier to be global now. Yeah. Like like to, again, to, to use the example, you had two of the biggest stars in the NBA playing on Oklahoma City. That's not even bigger than Brampton. Right. <laughs> like that's that's but that's the truth. Right. Like, you know, like it is what it is, you know, so. It's crazy. Like that's that's and that's where we are with the league right now. Where it's you know the big market thing isn't the same. So it's like if you're good and you're in a big market, now it's a bigger pull. If you're stable and you're in a big market, now it's a bigger pull. So that's why the, yeah. a, a Miami team is always going to get free agents because their their front office is sound regardless of their culture. Yeah. It's it is always sound. So Brooklyn is cool because Brooklyn has been building for the last few years. 
You know, so yep. like the only thing that honestly with Toronto, it's like Toronto's the same thing. Toronto's got a great culture. Now you can say a championship culture, even though we still have problems pulling in free agents ourselves. But that's not due because of the team. You know what I mean? That's right. not due to the team. That's just the mentality of players. But that's not due to, to because of Toronto, the city. Like everybody knows Toronto as a city is a, is a world class city. You know, well, but, I think what teams are trying to see is they're trying to become is you're looking at a team, you're a player. What kind of team do you want to go to? Do you want to go to a team that's going to develop you and you're going to have a chance to be in the league and be a better player? Or are you just going to go to Minnesota? Right? How many first-round picks, number one picks, has Minnesota got? They're still terrible. But the, look at the teams we're talking about. We're talking about Toronto. We're talking about Gold. We haven't talked about Golden State, but they've done a great job developing yeah. their players. You're talking about the Nets. We're talking about Chicago now committing to developing all these dozens of draft picks that they've wasted over the years. You have to develop from within. It's player development. And I think Tyler Hero was a player who specifically was like, I want to go to Miami. Duncan Robinson, he even said it in his own podcast, one of the reasons he picked Miami was how they developed players. Yeah. Because he was undrafted, he had lots of options, and he chose that one because he thought, this is a good place to develop as a player. So that's a big deal as your organization. Now, if you're not thinking about that, you're going to be out in the cold real quick. No, uh, absolutely. And I guess to, to answer my, my question, I, I don't... I don't know if it's sustainable per se, uh, but I still like right now they're fifth in the in the um, in the East. I see them f tumbling back a little bit, um, but with that said, I definitely see them playing in the play uh, the the play in tournament. And depending on who's in that tournament with them and on the Eastern side, I can see them landing that eighth spot. Like they've been a solid team all year. Like again, like you know, Obi Toppin is a lottery pick, but Emmanuel quickly is their best rookie. Right, so far, right. like he's he's been super solid. Like they, they like they might have finally got an answer at point guard, you know. And and but again, he's developing along very nicely. Obviously, you know we haven't we haven't even gone to Julius Randle how he's been unlocked uh, by by teams. Yeah. The guy's averaging twenty three, eleven, and, and five and a half assists today. Yeah, you know Tibbs though. He's he's running out eight guys. You know you're gonna get run right. So. You're going to put up shots. For, You're going to get lots of run. You're going to get comfortable. That's not to take away from what he's doing. No, because his, his, his efficiency is really good as well. Like it's, yes. it's not just yeah. a guy jacking up shots and just trying to hoard numbers. Yeah, like he's he's doing this. Yeah, you didn't. Efficiently. Nobody thought he would be this, right? Yeah, he's blowing away the expectations. But he's been he's been you know many props to him because he's been he's been very sufficient this year automatically like again like the guy's averaging 48 from from the field 41 from three and 80 from the free throw line like like you can't knock his numbers and then you know the, the oh no and then the progress the, the progression of um of rj barrett himself as well he's been like their second best player and well here's the thing it's not just the numbers the numbers are translating to wins that's it it's nice to have numbers i mean tons of guys have numbers but if they don't turn into victories it doesn't matter exactly Exactly, but I, I, I mean, you, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm I'm looking at the standings here, and you talked about is it sustainable for the Knicks? So there are three and a half games that separate fifth and twelfth in the East. Mm -hmm. So nobody knows. Like, put it this way: 
the Orlando Magic are not that far out of a playoff spot. <laughs> yeah, which is which is crazy. Well, at least with a play-in, because you got to get to tenth spot, right, to play in that play-in game. Right. So, so I mean, so, look, looking at that, and that's why I mean, like, just looking at the standings, they're going to take a bit of a tumble once once guys get healthy because sure. the Heat are coming, they're healthy, they're coming. Um, Charlotte's been having a lot of success this year, which is kind of like shocking some people, especially. How Lamello. about Lamelo Ball? Yeah, he's been he's been playing really well. Obviously, um, rookie of the year by far at this point, and mm. and before before COVID basically ravaged our, our home team. Uh, the Raptors were basically looking really good. Like they look like they finally found their footing as well. So I, yeah. I, I see like at least Miami and the Raptors at least catching the Knicks at some point. So go ahead. Like think about the Pacers; they're going to get Paris Levert back at some point. Is he coming back this right? season? I think so. Okay. Him and him they're, and T.J. Warren too, because T.J. Warren is basically missing yeah. most of the season as well. They're a good organization. I mean, with the Raptors, you had to think even at two and eight. Knowing how they play, knowing that they play hard, knowing that they win the games they're supposed to win, you knew they were going to turn it around right. eventually, right? And then you just saw, oh, yeah, maybe they don't have that one guy who's going to blow the doors off you, but they play hard, they play sound, they're going to beat the teams they're supposed to beat. And then every now and again, they're going to beat some teams they're not supposed to beat. And that's just how it goes. Yeah. And I guess the, the next question will be uh, Phoenix. <laughs> is is uh, is the sun success sustainable? Yes. Okay. I'm going to say yes right now. However, did any of us think they were going to be here? Second in the West? No, not right now. No, no. right? But I thought playoffs. Nobody TVs. thought that. Yeah. I think it's sustainable if they can continue to gel together and they can get something out of DeAndre Ayton. That's a little bit more than turn around fadeaways in the post. I mean, I'm not a big Chris Paul fan, or I should say I wasn't a big Chris Paul fan. I knew how good he was. However, what he did in Oklahoma City last year just put him on another level for me. Yeah. Because he, he took a mishmash group and was an incredible leader, and they were great down the stretch. He nurtured those young guys. He gave them confidence. That's why I think, you know, you're looking at him going into a situation with Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton. And a sleeper guy that I really like was Mikhail Bridges. I've always kind of liked him and watched him grow. And it's one of those scenarios where you never know with a guy. You're like, I think he's going to be something. The tools are there. He's developing. But he just took a leap at the end of last year and coming into this year where you're just like, okay, now they have those pieces in their lineup. They got a little bit of depth. I think it's sustainable. I'm going to throw the question to you. Are we talking playoffs sustainable? Are we talking regular season sustainable? For them, it's more regular season. Um, I I think they set themselves up to be like a good playoff contender Um, or at least a playoff contender, meaning like they won't make the playoffs they may give a team a good fight in the first round, possibly, possibly make the second round, depending on where they fall. If they get, um, you know, like a home court advantage, which they very well make. I see them falling back a little bit as well. Um, but watching them play, I, I can see them falling into like the fourth spot, maybe even the fifth at worst. Um, but I do think mm-hmm. it's, it's sustainable, you know, again, health and outbreaks permitting. Um, but, you know, I agree with you. Chris Paul is a Hall of Fame talent. I think. 
to me, I think his legacy is going to be that that person that makes mediocre teams good to very good, um, and then possibly great, like a Houston <laughs> situation. But like every team that he's been on, they were mediocre. He got to the Hornets. They ended up being a good slash really good team before they started blowing that up. And then he went to the Clippers. The Clippers were a, a hyped up team. They went from mediocre to good to really good, right? The Houston yep. was a team that he went on. They were they were not they were good, but he made them potentially great. You know, if not for his hamstring injury in 2018, and then <laughs> their implosion in 2019. <laughs> for you know, we'll, we'll ignore that. But um, <laughs> but he, but at least he made them good. <laughs> Especially during a regular season, right? <laughs> and then, yeah. you know, at OKC last year, same thing. They were expecting to not make the playoffs. He was expected to be traded, you know, before the deadline of last year. And they ended up, you know, not only making the bubble, they were a fifth seed in the West. Right? So, yeah. And he's and he's having that same effect now. Because, look, I mean, with somebody like Trevor, Trevor, it's not Trevor Booker, um, Devin Booker, I mean, um, you know, a, Trevor Booker, <laughs> Devin Booker, <laughs> but like you, you look at you look at um, his situation too, right? Because right now the rumors are that that player that you're talking about maybe landing in New York. The the rumor is that him and him and the Knicks kind of have eyes for each other, um, but that's that's more on really? front office than it is on Chris Paul because you know Chris Paul also has that that um, antagonizing personality. Like he's not the easiest guy to play with at times. And history kind of plays that out, but... History does play that out, I'll agree. However, the job he did, what he did with that OKC team... I I, I don't think that comes from OKC's position. I don't think that comes from Yeah, no, no. I think you... Everybody has to be compatible. Superstars always have problems with superstars. Yeah. It's never a smooth road. We just see it more now. I'm I'm never going to get upset and think... He's the problem only. There's two sides to that. Like, how many of those guys at the Clippers do you classify as winners? Right? Yeah. When he was with the Clippers, the problem, how many of those guys do you go, oh, man, that guy's a dog. That guy's an all-timer. Right. None of them. With the Rockets. And we'll, maybe we'll see this change now that he's with the Nets. But in my personal opinion... I don't think you can have your best player in James Harden be someone who is basically like an NFL quarterback who only plays offense and not even try on defense. Like you've got to try. Yeah, that, Otherwise, that's kind of your teammates don't respect you, you know? But I think that's kind of changing for him too, though, as well, right? Um, at least we'll the way see. he's been playing we'll so see. far. Yeah, so far. The way he's been playing so far. We'll, we'll have to see, but... But the thing was yeah. like going back to Booker for a second. Uh, Trevor's got a cousin Devin, um, <laughs> <laughs> but like the situation with him is, I thought Phoenix for the last couple of years put him in a bad spot because they they kind of made totally. him play that hardened role. He's a hell of a talent. He's very skilled. Probably one of probably top five to top ten skilled players in the league. But turning yeah. him to Harden wasn't great for his game. Like he's a scorer. He hunts. He's not somebody that's going to share. Like that's not natural for him. You know what I mean? So I, although he he's a really good pass, he can, he can pass like he got better yeah. at it. But I'm saying like to yeah. put him at at the point guard to make him facilitate for, me, facilitated offense, I yeah. think I, that was the mistake. And then you have somebody well, like but, Aiden who needs the ball, and he's not getting the ball. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So like having CP3 kind of run that for him is it takes yeah. it takes that pressure off. So it's amazing for them. 
Like they're a good team, yeah, I mean, playoff contender. So I think this this can be sustainable, but I don't see them going obviously past the the max is the right. second round at most. You could say up until probably last year that the Suns were like the Knicks of the Western Conference. They were that poorly run. Right. You know they had a, a bully of an owner in Robert Sarver. Terrible front office execution. Up until you know last year. There was really nothing to report with the Suns other than they were knob shines, really. Right. You know, as much as you could like Devin Booker, they weren't winning games. So, and, and, that and I mean, their, their only success really was the fact that they went 8 0 in the bubble, right? Like, that was probably like yeah. the hint of like maybe they're finally starting to turn the corner because Monty Williams was their coach. Everybody yeah. was kind of healthy. It seemed like there was improvements there from that, that four month break. And yeah, that maybe the, the corner starting to finally turn. You know what I mean? So, yeah. so like, so the fact that they got you know CP three to kind of add to that now, it's like, you know, we, maybe we shouldn't be totally surprised by this, but we should, we still should, because they're second in the West. Nobody saw that coming, right? Nobody that that wasn't yeah. even on the on the thought process of of that even being a possibility. So we should all be surprised by that. But with with that said, you know, I think it's sustainable that they can be a playoff contender, and and, and I think they're gonna. At this stage, they're probably gonna, you know, stay fighting for that for that uh, that last home court advantage spot in the first round, like that fourth spot. Yeah, they're gonna be in contention yeah. for that for most of the season. Um, I know you were talking about Luca earlier in terms of you know teams wanting to match up with them or what have you, um, but I want to focus on another math for a second, which is Kristaps uh, Porzingis. Mm-hmm. I I gave up on Porzingis about a year ago. Are you with me, do, or do I have to convince you that like we should escape this this Porzingis town right now? If I'm I'm selling, I'm a selling hard on Chris That's Porzingis, right? Like right away. I, I mean, you're paying him that much money. Could you get anything for him? No. Do you want to? You're just kind of stuck in the moment with him, mm-hmm. and hoping that he can one stay healthy and two be productive. But Dallas has started the year very much like the Raptors, terrible, and have now come on, and now they're the eighth spot in the West. Mm-hmm. But that's just because Luca decided to get it together. Right? He didn't play well the early part of the season. They had struggles. One of the things I noticed watching them, and Dallas was a team I did get to watch a bunch of earlier in the year, was that Tim Hardaway Jr. was playing way too much, right? He was really trying to be that third guy instead of trying to be who he was. And I, you could see in the body language from Luca that that was a problem. He was taking shots. He was taking 25 footers on one pass. And you could just see Luca be like, hey, what are you doing? You know, Trey Burke's out there trying to be a creator. Do you remember the game where they ran a bunch of – it was a one-point game. They were just scrambling around, and Luka didn't touch the ball for, like, the last 10 seconds of the clock. Who were they playing again? That's how I remember that. I forget who they were playing, but they had two games that same week. I think it might have been the Bulls. They had two games that same week that ended similarly. One where Porzingis literally, like, didn't even see him or looked him off. And I'm just going, what is going on over there? There's something wrong with their team. Just, to me, there's just something wrong. With Porzingis, like, to me, 
Um, I, I I want him to more than anything um, play like he's at least seven three. And I'm not gonna go on this rant where you know we're gonna say the back of the day. I want my big men to, but dude, like at least some of the time, can you play like you're seven three? Like I understand where the game is going. You're a good shooter from outside. You know what I mean? You can make shots. Nobody's gonna block a shot. But can we use at least use some of your height? Like it's funny because I remember um, watching inside the NBA, and I remember Kenny Smith and made a they made a great point about him, and they were talking about there's times where like he's cutting through the key, and he's got a guy that's like six six on him. You know what I mean? And, but he's cutting through the key to try to get to like you know the perimeter, you know the the, the corner three, you know to, to to get the ball on the wing, yeah. and it's like. Dude, if you just stop halfway through when you're running through the lane and just sit down for a second, get the ball and just shoot over the guy. Like you're seven three. Yeah. He's not blocking yeah, your shot. A, like like That's a nine inch height difference. Like nine inches. Like again, like you're anytime you step on seventeen feet and, and over, like you're if you're six six, you're playing in my world now. Right? Unless yeah. you have superior footwork at that size. You know, which is very few guys in NBA history can blow past you as a seven footer, uh, you know, uh, as a wing player, you know, outside of like a Kevin Durant, right? But who's, I mean, you can't count him. He's yeah. like a super freak in that sense. But, um, yeah. but with that said, like, you're playing in my world now when you're, when you're trying to take me off the dribble, even if you're shooting your shot, I'd rather you shoot from 18 feet or 25 feet, as apparently he likes to do from time to time. Um, but, you know, but if you're, if you, if you got me six feet from the basket, now I'm scared. <laughs> because I'm like, yeah. I, I, you know, I can't grow nine inches to block a shot, so I gotta yeah. basically just take this basket. You know what I mean? Or get the double team and, and help. So it's like certain situations, like you gotta just use your height. Like, yo, do you know how tall seven foot three is? Like, <laughs> like, so I, I'm like, so I had a chance to meet Rick Smiths right when I was probably back in high school. Mm-hmm. The reason being is because. Um, my brother, who we who we affectionately call uh, Big Brother Curtis on this show, he comes on our podcast from time to time. I come to this podcast from time to time. Like he used to play with him at Maris, so we had a chance when he was on the yeah. Pacers to go watch a game. And this is when to tell you how far this was. This is when the um, the the Raptors were still at the Sky Dome, which is probably one of the worst places to watch a basketball game. <laughs> right, <laughs> one of the worst places to watch a basketball game. Just <sighs> it's not even close, but. You know, we had a chance to meet him, whatever. I had, well, I decided a chance to meet him after the game. You're, you're my height. So we're both 6'3". Um, yeah. Basically, I reached the bottom of his sternum. <laughs> like, and he's 7'4". He's an inch taller than Porzingis. Like, yeah. You know, you hear people say, like, man, Luka needs help. Luka needs help. They have a guy. They, they have a guy. They have a guy. <laughs> his Porzingis. He's paying, getting paid $150 million. They have a guy. Yeah, like they yep. they gotta stop, and this is what we we're talking about before. We, <coughs> excuse me, we we're talking about before where it's like sometimes it's like you win the genetics lottery. Um, can you like, can you at least <laughs> like take some money out of that account and just use it the way it should be used? Like like this at certain right. at a certain point, it's like okay, let me just use my height. I have a six inch advantage on a person. Let me just use it for like two minutes, three minutes. If I cut through the key, let me dive in, get a quick basket. You know, let me get a couple of post moves. I might might not be the biggest guy size wise, but right. seven three is seven three. You know, and and it's like, how long can you play outside in the key, like outside in the on the wing for? 
I well, just, I think further, further to your point is more that he has the talent. It isn't just about the size. So he's got the talent and the ability. 100%. It's just, it's just not coming through. And then when you add in the, the price tag, yep. the injuries, and then the potential, it just leaves you wanting more. It drives you nuts. It essentially drives you nuts. That's basically yeah. what it is. So, like I, I, like I said, I've I've basically given up on this. I think he's he's got um, Marcus Camby's injury history at this point, and <laughs> you know he's really talented. But like, it's I don't think it's going to come together. And because of his the because of the uh, the, the 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 tax bracket that he's now living in, it's going to be hard to like. You have to basically either make a trade or commit to him being a second guy. And I don't know if he's worthy of being a second guy at this point, which is crazy to say because a couple of years ago you were like. Yo, Giannis, you know, him, like, holy smokes, like Durant, like Durant was, Durant called him the unicorn because you're looking at the potential and you're like, man, like he's going to be something in New York, man. Put another star with him. Holy smokes. And now you're like, man, should he be the second best player on the team? Like, (laughs) that's who we are now. We're not in the game and that's like, he shouldn't be averaging 20. Yeah. I think if you're Dallas, you're not overly worried about it. In, in the short term, because you're going to have cap space, you have an owner who's willing to go into the luxury tax. You have some expiring contracts, and you can make some moves with cap flexibility. You're okay, and and Luke is young, but sooner or later, you got to start putting some pieces in that mix that start making a difference. Yeah, Bradley Beal's name has been thrown around. I actually thought. For a second, Kyle Lowry might be a good fit there, mm. but he fits everywhere. Yeah, no, he does. So, he does. Dallas has its own problem. The posing this unicorn thing. Uh, I think we should just delete the whole unicorn. Yeah, it's a, it's a take the horn off. It's a pony now. Like that's basically yeah, it's, where we are. <laughs> <laughs> it's a pony now. Like, it's, it's it's fine. Like we we recognize it. it. It doesn't ride as well as a unicorn. It doesn't fly through the air. Yeah. It doesn't have rainbows yeah. on its wings. It's fine. Like it's, <laughs> you know, it's 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 it's, a, it's it's comes from the horse family. Like let's let's leave it there. Right, right. You know? I got it. I got it. That was good. Oh, thank you. Um, <laughs> what what are your thoughts on um on Blake Griffin joining the Brooklyn Nets at this point? The Nets need defense, and he doesn't provide that. I think he's a I think he's a great piece for a contender. Yeah. And I think this is probably the first time in a really long time, probably the truest time where you're saying, we are going to all outscore everyone to the championship. And it <laughs> might work. It might work. <laughs> you know? That, that is the that's goal the right now. That's the weirdest part. That is the goal right now. We're going to go NBA Jam on you. That's it. Yeah. And the funny thing is, who's running it? Steve Nash and Mike D'Antoni. Mm-hmm. Is there a more appropriate coaching staff to have for that roster? Yeah. Basically, how do we solve defense, our defensive issues? More offense. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, best, the best defense is a really, 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 really good offense. Right. Exactly. <laughs> because they are the team that is – I think if you're the Lakers, if you're the Clippers, if you're the Bucks, they are probably the only team where you're like, man – if we don't score almost every possession, we're going to get torched. Yeah. And it might happen. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's, it's because, crazy. It's, it's like, it's like, <laughs> you know what it's like? It's like, um, you know, when you mix your, your Minute Maid juice in a can and it's like, <laughs> it's like, it's already kind of sweet. Maybe you should pour more water. They're like, no, nah, the solution is put more sugar, put more sugar in it. <laughs> Let's get the diabetes right now. Like, why not? Yeah. <laughs> the one where your mom was like, I think that's enough. No, no, one more. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know, it's 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 crazy. Like I think it's a great move because like getting up like offensively in terms of getting a big with a high IQ, you can kind of run the yeah. offense to him, especially in the high post, which I think to me is important because if they can really embrace, you know, um in terms of, you know, working off the ball and stuff, like that's going to work great in in a sense having him being there because you can run cuts off him. He screens well, obviously. Like just the basic skills and those type of things, he's really great at. He's he's a great passer. So if you're cutting to the basket, yeah. he's going to find you. Um, you know, like, I, I think for them, like, that's where he's going to be really great. His knees are almost shot at this point. He's got, like, the Stoudemire syndrome, unfortunately, where he's at right now in his career. But Dude, you know, I read that he is the only player in the NBA, 6'7 or taller, this season that does not have a dunk. Yeah, he doesn't have a dunk yet. I think, it's, I think, he'll, I think he'll get one before the year's over. How about that? <laughs> well, the the bigger issue is the thing that made him so deadly, and he, and the crazy thing to think about is he was All NBA third team two years ago. I know, and I'm with you. I think the, one of his biggest underrated skills is as a passer and a playmaker. And if their ability to put him on the second unit as a center or a forward. And to fill in as a starter because guaranteed you're not going to want to play KD and Kyrie and James, although Harden is a workhorse, maybe less Ky- Kyrie and KD to give them rest. He can be a spot starter. Your big thing is, do you, is his shooting going to come back? Because his three-point shooting has kind of gone away. Yeah. But could that not be a product of playing on a crappy team on Detroit and being, where you're not really getting guy. quality look? Yeah, exactly. Where now, you know, you're, there's going to be times where, which is crazy to see, where he's going to be more open than he's ever been in his NBA career. And <laughs> and, and the crazy thing is, if he's, he's like, <laughs> for his sake, you got to hope that you're open from three because you're not taking that cut and diving over somebody to dunk again, right? Like, that last thing yeah. we were talking about a couple of years ago, we were 13 All NBA. You can see his athleticism was already starting to slip. Remember, he had that big abrasive white knee sleeve brace on his on his left leg, like yep. like he had he had a RoboCop like <laughs> knee brace, like at that point where you're like, man, this this isn't looking he's good. Been, he's had an extensive injury history. Remember, he missed his rookie year. Yeah. So and, and that's the thing that that's the thing that scares me too because he was if he was the this generation's first Zion, right? And and the fact that Zion already has a, a meniscus tear and he already had his knee injury, like I'm just watching him, like oh man, please be healthy for the rest of your career. Like I just you know, but it's just <laughs> like man, I like you get nervous because you just we just watched this with Blake Griffin. Blake Griffin was a super strong yeah. power forward. You know who who um who had some skills to his game was was leaping leaps and bounds over everybody and as you said mm-hmm. like now he hasn't even had a dunk yet he hasn't had a dunk since 2019, you know which is <laughs> like that's that to me is like it's completely mind boggling but in terms of offensively yeah. he helped his team absolutely it's just 
Unfortunately, yeah. it doesn't help them defensively, but you know, because even in his prime, he wasn't great at that. Like he was a great rebounder or, or a good rebounder mm-hmm. when he started, and that that progressively yeah. got worse as the, the length, the, the longer that he stayed in the league. Um, which is weird. Like his best rebounding season was probably his rookie year, which doesn't make sense, right? But like at this stage, yeah. it's like I'm with you. Like I think they're just they're playing NBA Jam right now with everybody else. And it may work. That's a, that's a crazy thing. They're because the yeah. the three best players are all in their prime, and they're like all, they, they're like top ten players. They made the best decision with Harden and Kyrie saying you're the point guard because I think going back to when it was OKC and you had Russ and Harden and KD, Harden was the playmaker. He was the one setting the table. Russ, as much as his numbers show a lot of assists. He gets those assists because he was able to basically get himself into the paint based on sheer athleticism. Right. Russ's game wasn't super crafty, and now you're seeing his, the wheels fall off that bus. Because, again, what, how long ago was he MVP? Not that long ago. Yeah, four years ago. But now we're seeing with the Nets, Harden, that playmaking ability is just next level. Yeah. You know, and, yeah. and they got shooters. Offensively, they have everything you're really going to want because even if you say, oh, you can't, they don't have a post-up guy, even if you say Blake isn't a post-up guy, KD is just all world at whatever you want to put him doing. Right. He's got that Dirk 15-foot, one-footer off the spin, whatever, cash. See you later. So offensively, they have everything you could want. The question is, when it comes down to brass tacks in those tight moments and you need a stop and it's a tight game, are you going to get it? Or are these other teams going to make you switch to the point that they expose Harden's defensive liability or or Kyrie's defensive liability? And now those guys are in foul trouble throughout a whole series and you can't get your rhythm. You know, yeah. that that's to me is a is a strategy that I would put in play if I'm the Lakers and I make it to the finals and I'm playing the Nets, I'm putting LeBron and A D or whoever whoever Harden's guarding, I'm putting I'm hunting him. Yeah. And I'm putting him in foul trouble ASAP. Absolutely. On that team, you have somebody that, that can't expose that. Um, but, yeah. but with what Brooklyn and L.A. are trying to do in terms of grabbing, like, the best available bigs on the market to kind of load up for this playoff yeah. run, like, to you, to you, like, are they still the favorites in the in your eyes to meet up in the finals? Because to me, yes. I, to me I, I'm, act, I'm actively rooting for this, this super team stuff to stop. I really am. <laughs> I, I, Bill, I, I was really hoping we are going to move away from this era. So when Harden got that, I was just like, "Oh God, this is at least another three, four more years of this." Because somebody else is coming to try to to try to offset this, especially if they win. Like somebody's coming to try to beat this, you know? Yeah, but I'll be interested if uh, Andre Drummond ends up with the Lakers because mm-hmm. I just think the Lakers are a little more versatile than the all offense of the Nets. Yeah, they play great. I, they play good defense for sure. The the only reason I'm putting the Nets a little bit ahead of the Bucks right now is just that sheer firepower, and the opposite of that uh, coin is just the Bucks 
struggle sometimes in the half court. So who's going to win there? Is the defense of the Bucks going to win? Because I, I think they can guard the Nets pretty well. Yeah. Or is the offense of the Nets going to win? I'm giving the Nets a little bit of the edge right now. Yeah, but again, you have three players in the in the top ten in the league. Like legitimately, you couldn't even say that about the Heat when they're when they're you know running the East, to, you know, for the first half right. of the uh, the 2010s. Like you couldn't even say that about them because Bosch is probably a top fifteen player. Where yeah. in this case, like maybe Kyrie's the worst, and he's probably like, if you want to make a list, maybe eighth. <laughs> well, come right. on. Okay, here's my challenge to you. I want you to sit down and make your list. Not right now, but you got to make your list. I'm pretty sure you're not putting Kyrie at number eight. Right? In terms of pure talent? Yeah. So you're saying he's better than Luka, he's better than AD, he's better than Giannis, he's better than Steph, he's better than Dame? No. No, I didn't say I didn't say he's better than AD or, or Giannis or, or. But I'm, I'm what I'm thinking is I do too. I'm like, oh, he's the top five, and then I think about it. I'm like, wait, I should actually make a top five list. And then I sat down one day and I made it, and the guy I was talking about, like, oh yeah, he's not even on my top five. I should probably stop. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't. <laughs> I wouldn't say Kyrie. In terms of pure talent, he's not in my top five, but he's in the top. To me, he's in the top ten. Absolutely. In terms of pure skill, shit, he might be top five. Pure skill. Top five, maybe, yeah. But top I'm pick, I'm putting Dame and Steph ahead of him. You know what? That if you, I don't have a problem with that to be honest with you. But um, and I would <laughs> and I would definitely take Steph a hundred percent too. But you know, because of the stuff that Kyrie has done in the playoffs so far, you know, especially winning a chip with LeBron, taking the most important yeah. in the Cavs issue. Yeah. yeah, I would probably side with him when the playoffs come. You know, because at least he's been there. He knows what it's like. But I, mean, I, I agree. Like, I, I would say this. It's funny. You're talking about the Bucks, right, in terms of them giving yep. the Nets the best kind of uh, challenge. I kind of wonder if, if the the, be- the team that's best to beat them is Philly. Because of Embiid and the fact that they also yeah. play great defense, and especially if, he, yeah. especially if he can get guys in foul trouble. Like, I know they're going to try to go small, but he's so talented and so big you're going to have to deal with him. You know, it's funny yeah. where, where they say, like, you know, Shaq couldn't play in this era. But if Shaq was a young Shaq playing in this era, same game, same everything, even if he went small, he would be abusive. You know what I mean? Because he's yeah. just so big and so powerful. And, and But never mind. Remember Orlando Shaq and how athletic he was? Yeah. yeah. He wouldn't have bulked up. He would have been the said that he was in Orlando. If you YouTube those highlights, it blows your mind. And it's funny because you're saying he wouldn't have bucked up. This guy was over 300 pounds at that time. (laughs) (laughs) He was still still a Sasquatch compared to everybody else. Yeah, he was over 300 pounds in Orlando. Right. Never mind the Lakers. Right, exactly. Right? So Exactly. I think you you might be – that's a really good point you make because – their versatility defensively, especially with Simmons, yeah, is very interesting. Simmons is an incredibly polarizing for some people as a talent, but I think he just does so many things that lead to wins. 
if he could just make free throws, I don't care about three pointers. Yeah. If he could make free throws, then you could put him in ISO and get him downhill. And then if, if he's making 74, 75% of his free throws, you can't just bury him in the dunker spot yeah. down the stretch. Now you're like, shit, I gotta, I gotta stop this guy. And I can't just foul him because he's going to make those. Yeah. You know? And he, and he's 67% from the line. Just to, just to speak to your point. Yeah. This year. He's getting, he's getting better, right? He's still super young. What is he like? 24? Yeah, but is still, he even that? He's but he's like what? He's his sixth year. This is his sixth year in the league too. So some habits yeah. are starting to form. Although you know, like hopefully he improves the free throws, but like some habits are starting to form now. He's in year six. He is twenty five. Hey, he's in year six or year. Sorry, year five. Um, he's in year five. I, if if Jason Kidd can be in the top ten in all time three pointers made, there's a chance for him. <laughs> this kid. If Mark Jackson, I don't know how, how much of this you remember, but Mark Jackson with the Knicks, when he started out, was a liability when he came to anywhere past 10 feet. You know? Yeah, he was and he, and he, he developed, right? He so It took time. He improved, though. I think, I think there's a chance. Is this the year? I don't know, but I think you're right. Philly, because they are so opposite, of what Brooklyn is yeah. might be the bigger threat. Yeah, because offensively, even though I think Tobias Harris is their third best player, offensively when you need a basket, he's probably their second best player. Um, and then I like him. I like no, him. He's good. Player. I think he's his. He's the the way he's playing in his role. Like he's been he's been playing very well this year. And honestly, like really and truly, because I think if Philly's record was a little bit better and they didn't get, you know, the bit of the outbreak that they had this year and certain things like he could have probably they he probably could have snuck in the all-star game. Like, you know, some years where the top team will get like three players in the all-star game, like he could have snuck yeah. in and been that third guy. It's just I don't yeah. think their record was as great. Like if, if they had Utah's record, they probably could have snuck him in. But but with All that, right. but with that said, like. You know, I'm looking at the stats now. Like, you're looking at Embiid. Embiid's averaging 30 and 11 right now. 30 and almost 12 right now. Like, he is playing. Yeah. To me, he's the MVP. Like, I don't know about you, but to me, I'm like, I know they're, you know, earlier they're talking about, oh, it's LeBron, it's this and stuff. And I'm like, I'm watching these Philly games, man. I'm like, I've never seen Embiid play better. And he was my dark horse coming into the, the like, in terms of being an MVP. Yeah. He was a dark horse coming into the season for me. You know what I mean? In terms of locking, like, getting this award. And now he's like, like right now, I think he's he, he's playing as as good as F, I've ever seen him play. Yeah, and, and I'm gonna I, be this that. Is, this is totally I'm sustainable gonna, too. I'm gonna be the jackass who talks about the MVP race and doesn't really care about it because how many years did the guy who should have won didn't win, and how often does it deteriorate into a politicized lobbying campaign? Right. Or winning, winning the MVP, right, mm. and getting your super max or whatever. So I don't want to disagree with you. I think there's a lot of data there saying that he is definitely in that MVP conversation, if not at the head of it. Yeah. However, what I do want to say is, where are you on the Sixers if they get Kyle Lowry? <sighs> I know this hurts your heart a little bit to think that. No, I mean, it's, it, well, let me know. Well, it's it's realistic because I don't think Lowry's staying. I mean, 
look, evidence number one, he's a free agent. He's 35 years old. He just sold his house in Toronto. We, we, we pretty much yeah. know where this is going. Like, he's probably, <laughs> unless he decides to take a pay cut, he's probably leaving Toronto. You know what I mean? It is what it yeah. is. Thank you for your service. You were amazing. You were amazing. You know what I mean? Like, you're you're probably the Raptors' most important player because you, you had the tenure and you won a ring. All that's great. Oh. If you want to go back home, we're, it's, it's like, listen, it's all good. It's all good. Like, we're, yeah. the Raptors are in a good place, you know what I mean, in terms of culture. You know, Fred Van Vliet's ready to take that role over at this point now. Yeah. Like, we're good. But if, if, to answer your question, if he goes to Philly, fuck. I, I think if he goes to Philly and they don't have to give up, like, Harris or, or like, one of, you know, like at that point, man, I don't know, man. Like, because I, whew, like, that's a, that is a really, now, man, like, like, they actually really have a good shot to beat Brooklyn at that point. Because I think even with Milwaukee, and I think Milwaukee to me is is going to be a team that's gonna. I think Milwaukee is going to be a team, honestly, Bill. That's that's going to basically take a leap forward, like in the second half of the year. Because really and truly, they haven't been totally healthy. Look, um, you know, Drew Holiday's missed a good chunk of the season. He's now coming back yep. from the COVID situation, like that he's had, and he's basically being implemented slowly back on the team. He's coming off the bench. You know, at some point they're gonna like. I'm waiting for them to eventually gel. You know what I mean? And when they do, especially defensively, because, like, defensively, Drew Holiday is a stud, uh, uh, you know, at that point yeah. in our position. So when they gel defensively, they are going to be a problem. Like, I, I expect them to start, like, to start really building back up to the top of the, the ladder of uh, of the conference. But if they get Kyle Lowry, man, I, 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 hmm. Woo. I think they might, they, like, in terms of on paper, I think I would put them neck and neck with, with Brooklyn, which sounds crazy to say, but the thing is they have a balance of, of good offense, solid decision-making, you know, solid coaching, you could say now, because Doc Rivers is coming from a, a, of a, a position mm-hmm. where he's coaching with a chip on his shoulder, as well as MB coming into the season too because he was getting his name dirtied up a little bit. And then defensively, they play well. You know, even if you throw Lowry in there, that's – it's going to keep the, the defenses are going to drop. Like that energy level is going to be the oh. same. It might even be a little higher. So. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think he creates even more defensive versatility for them because you can't post him up. No. And maybe, maybe he can't guard the super quick guards anymore, but as a guy who understands defense and in the playoffs, everything slows down. Mm-hmm. So you're not going to be running these track meets. He's a bulldog. Yeah. He loves pressure. It doesn't phase him. I think something like that could galvanize Embiid oh, and, and Harris and Simmons. And then they have shooting, and he can shoot. And so I think that's a super interesting move if, if it happens. And if I'm the Bucks and the Nets, I'm a little less certain of my past now. Because Philly just got that thing that they don't have, which is that experience. Yeah, you know. Yeah, so, and, and and I think Rivers and and Lowry are are meant to be together in terms of yelling at referees and racking up cheese. <laughs> like they they are like a match made in heaven, man. Oh my god! But, did you ever hear that? Did you ever listen to that? And this is a total sidetrack. You ever listen to Jimmy Kimmel's NBA meme tweets? 
Yeah, yeah, I've seen that from time to time. Yeah, and then you wonder where Doc Rivers is sitting there. He's like, Doc Rivers' voice is super ashy. Put some lotion on those vocal cords, bro. <laughs> <laughs> and then I just when I think of Doc Rivers, I always think of that Jimmy Kimmel thing, and I'm like, amazing, Joel, uh, Joel. <laughs> You're gonna get down low, Joel. Like, yeah, I know. He's, he always sounds like he has laryngitis now at this point. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I don't think anybody would have picked the Sixers to be atop the East either. Yeah, you know, we got we got a lot of stuff that is definitely not what you expected. Celtics are in fourth. I think a lot of people would have thought that the Celtics would be higher up, mm-hmm. but then I've watched a few of their games. And they got some holes. When they do pull it out, Jason Tatum comes through with a monster effort. You know, like he's a stud. Everybody would have thought Miami would be higher up. Now Jimmy missed three weeks of the season, and they've had a ton of people out. Tyler Hero in and out of the lineup. Bam has looked really good, and they've got some nice pieces there, but tough with the continuity not being there. So the Sixers being at the top of the ladder is, is another surprise for, for sure yeah. for me. So so it's funny. Like, I think if you're saying Brooklyn and the uh, Brooklyn and L.A., like the Lakers being the favorites, yeah, I mean, on which, paper, I would say which, yes for now. I'm kind of rooting for the Clippers yeah. versus versus uh, Philly because I think it's it, it makes for a great storyline, a great matchup on the court. <laughs> But it makes for a great storyline: Rivers versus the Clippers, and then there's big markets. Like you, I don't think you yeah. lose either way as well. And then you have the drama of Seth Curry against Paul George again. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> and I'm always, you know, what I'm always amazed, and I don't know if everybody knows the story behind this, but I'm amazed that people are like, "Oh, Paul George and Doc Rivers didn't get along." I'm like, "Do you know what's behind that? Would you <laughs> want to get along with him?" And, if you were around some guy who cheated on your daughter, like, yeah, I want to hang out with that guy. And, and and look, to make it worse, I can't believe Paul George still stepped out of his lane and was talking about the, the decision-making of, of Rivers. <laughs> After all that said, I'm like, yo, if, 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 if Doc Rivers can go back in time and be like 30 years old, he is definitely punching Paul George in his face. Oh, that... At least punching him in his face, like Doc Rivers was. Oh, he was a G. He was a G. Like that was that was like he was def. He was definitely throwing hands. on Man. he was definitely throwing hands. Hundred <laughs> percent. I'm just seeing Paul in my in my mind's eye right now. I'm seeing thirty year old Paul George turtling with thirty year old Doc Rivers just <laughs> laying hands on him. You know, and you're like. What are you gonna do? Yeah, the the, the storylines, you know, on and off the court is amazing. I, I'm I'm actually, honestly I'm rooting for that those two to play against each other, but you know, I, I I do see some sense of Brooklyn, you know, I think like again, that NBA jam, you know, super button that they're gonna press. Yeah. They they got that press X ability right now under under control pad. Like I, I don't I'm not, there's still too many questions right now for me to say, Oh, they anybody's a favorite, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think the Lakers are the favorite if AD stays healthy. That, exactly. Cause is it, or that if they get Andre game. Drummond in the buyout market, you know, those things happen. Yeah. Sure, they're, my, they're the favorite and when they're for healthy, me. They're, they're tough, but again, you know, that Achilles yeah. injury, is you should be a little nervous about that. Yeah, This is totally. the healthiest guy. 
And it's funny because that's so, why he took that contract too, right? The the Maxwell, the one ninety, took yeah. one ninety this off season because he, even he said he's like his injury history. He's like, you know what? Let me just take the sure thing right now. Let me because he could have waited another year, maybe get like two hundred and something million. But he's like, let me just take this one ninety right now because yeah. I can't guarantee. Like he, he's basically kind of said in a roundabout way, I can't guarantee my health. Yeah. that's. I think you should be a little nervous. And that's why I'm like, I'm not. The Lakers to me aren't a shoe in. You know what I mean? They're, no, they're nobody is. Nobody yeah. is. To me, nobody is. The wheels could totally fall off the bus with the Nets. I still think that's a high probability. Yeah. How are you when the game gets tight? And I'm terrible to, for saying this. Do we really think those three guys are symbiotic when the game gets tight and Kyrie's going to keep it together? And James is going to keep it together? And KD's not going to say nothing? Where do you go when it's like there's one shot to be taken? Yeah. Well, now now you've got a different kind of problem. All of them Who's the big it? dog? Yeah. And well, it should be KD. In, in, in those situations, it should, it should be KD. But, yeah, I mean, those situations, like if Kyrie gets the ball, like are, at the same time, too, based on his history and the, the stuff that he does, are you mad if he takes the last shot in a pivotal playoff game? Not really. No. On the shot he but, has, I am, right? but based on his history, I am mad if James Harden thinks he's going to go at it. Right? Yeah. They, they, so, I mean, you're, right. you're looking at the – look at Miami. Miami, the first year, Dwayne Wade still was the guy, and LeBron was the one deferring to him when everybody knew that it should be LeBron the guy. Mm-hmm. And they even talked about D Wade even talked about it. he's like that summer I was like hey I need to get out of the way I need to be number two because you're the best player on the fucking planet so could that happen in in Brooklyn yeah it could yeah so I don't think they're guaranteed anything either it's true and I think even with the Clippers like they they there's a move that they have to make before the deadline to get a a, a point guard. Like they don't. They have, got a they, lot of problems in the clutch. Yeah, because they don't. They don't have. They don't have an asset to trade unless they're gonna get rid of like Reggie Jackson or Lou Williams. Like to me, like should they, should they like bite the bullet and and go after a Rondo? Should they go after like a George Hill? You know, like should they should they you know take a chance on Josh Hart and make a a quick trade for him to see? Just because I'm like, well, <clears throat> from what I've heard, Josh Hart isn't available. Yeah, he's, he's and George Hill. Is a potential buyout candidate. Yeah, and and there will be competition for him. Yeah, he's gonna like the Clippers are gonna get somebody, but they need. Uh, but the thing is, the point guards that are gonna be available, like I don't know, man. Like do you, like again? Like is Rondo was Rondo the Rondo basically shoot his wad last last summer or last year in the world? <laughs> like, <laughs> like that's basically where you're going. Like did he was that his last hurrah? Like we don't know, right? Like do you take the chance and do you find out he's like. That was it. Like it's it's like the the Honda Civic that you drove past three hundred thousand kilometers, where you're like, yeah, it's over. <laughs> Bring it to the mechanic. No, no, no. We're just leaving it in the parking lot here. Take, take the plates off. Take the plates off, Bill. Take the plates off. You know, like, <laughs> are we there? Are we there? Are we at that point now? I don't know. You know what I mean? So, um, but it's but but it's like they need somebody to even for like twenty minutes a game that, to run their offense, where it's like it's not going through Paul George or, or Kawhi. You know, in terms of running I, the offense, like they they need like yeah, maybe I, fifteen minutes even. 
I read something that left me really confused about what the Clippers were doing was that they could have got Ricky Rubio and they didn't even bother trying. I thought about him too. I'm like, for again, yeah. 15, 20 minutes, can Rubio do it? You know what I mean? Because he does play decent defense. He can't Dude, run an he offense. Can, he can run your squad. He can run he your can squad. Run your squad. I'm like, 15, 20 minutes, do you just go after him in the trade? But then, again, based on the salary, you have to actually make a trade unless, unless they're going to buy him out. You know, if well, you, the if, problem is you got so much dead money on that roster that's not filling out that you can't move. You can't trade Pat Beverly. Yeah, Ricky Rubio. I think to me, Rubio can give you twenty-five to thirty minutes easy. Yeah, it's, it's, once you get past that, you know you're in trouble. But what do you need? What do you need from the rest of the guys? Yeah, you're lacking what he could deliver. He's a legit six-four, holds his own defensively. You, has improved as a shooter. Even if he comes and, off the bench, you just want somebody to be able to run the offense for like 15, yeah. 20 minutes, maybe even wrap up some games. You know what I mean? Like that's all you want. Like you know he's he's not these guys aren't gonna take the last shot, but can they make the open shot if yeah. it's given to them in game five of a pivotal playoff game? Like who are those guys sure. gonna be? Like who who are those guys that's available? That's why I'm like a George Hill. Can George Hill do that? Is it Rubio? Like, there's not a lot of there's not a lot of guys that that's on the on the um like in that position where they're going to be available, you know, at the deadline. Like, there's not a ton yeah. of guys out there, especially with it's the buyout players. market. It's the buyout market that you're on because the Clippers don't have anything to trade. No, they don't. They 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 don't. They don't have no picks. Anything like it's it's, it's yeah. going to be interesting. Um, so basically, just uh, you know, to, I guess to wrap up, we'll we'll try to do this really quickly, and we're kind of going to do this on the fly. Um, but we're going to pick our all NBA teams for the first half of the season. Um, okay. so, so I know you said you got your little list together, you, you know, or what have you. So, um, who's your third team, all NBA team right now? Two, two fours, two guards in the center. Doesn't have to be a point guard, my, small forward, two guards, two fours, the center. Third my center is going to be Gobert for sure. All right. Steph Curry's probably on there. Third team. What are, I had, I just. I just kind of have 15 guys. I don't have three. Yeah, you go first, okay? Let me let me write down here what I'm doing. <laughs> and now you're making me think. <laughs> okay. I thought we were just that, – that's not spitballing. You're organized. Spitballing is just like, yeah, you know. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with Gobert. Um thinking about it now because i i know what my first team is and i kind of know who my second team is i guess in my head um okay where do you have beal uh, i have uh, do you not have beal i know i do have beal i have beal absolutely but i right now in my head i have him on my second team let me you know let me just let me just flesh this out let me flesh this out first and then we can figure this out together um <laughs> so Gobert is my center, third team center for sure. Um, I think Paul George is my, is my third, one of my third team forwards for the first half of the season so far. Um, the other forward, unless I'm forgetting somebody here, I'm going to go with Jalen Brown because I think he's been fantastic this season. I think he's even been more consistent okay. than than, uh, than than Jason Tatum. Um, and then my guards, I would say for now, I would go with Booker and I would go with Donovan Mitchell. So Gobert, okay. so Gobert Mitchell, Booker, Jalen Brown, 
Paul George. Yes. Okay. okay. Right. That's my that's my that's my third team so far. Okay. <laughs> I'm working my way backwards here. I'm I'm tr- I'm trying to figure out this out. Okay, you know um, Okay, sorry. You know what? No, no, no. We're gonna do this. We're gonna do this. Okay. I'm gonna do it quick. So you had Booker there and Jalen Brown. So does that mean you have Jason Tatum ahead of him on the second team, or do you have Jason Tatum nowhere? In terms of the first half of the season so far, I don't have yeah. I don't have Jason Tatum on, on any of these teams right now. Oh, really? Well, I think, I, think, game... I, think, I think a lot of it is you know just availability, right? Uh, so, are you doing body of work, or you're doing where they are right now in terms of of how they're playing specific to this season only? Like just in terms of no, yeah, yeah, team, but I mean body success. of work for the season. Yeah, body of work, team success. You know, I, I'm looking at those aspects as well. Because every time I see Tatum play, I'm like, man, he is the engine that makes them go. Oh, he's he, he, talent wise, he's, he's their best, talent wise is their best player in terms of this season. Right at this point, right now, I would say it's Jalen Brown for right this moment, right now. We still have another half of the season to go. That may change. It probably will change. Because, you know, especially when Tatum gets his legs, you know, and all that stuff, because he's had COVID and everything. So, but with that said, like right now, I would more say Jalen Brown right now. For me personally, at the, at this juncture of the season right now. Hmm, that's interesting. That's interesting. Okay, so I've got Gobert. I've got, I'm going to put Jason Tatum on that team okay. as opposed to Jalen Brown because just having watched them play. Your list, bro. It's your list. It's fine. Jason. <laughs> Jason Tatum just is just the he's the best player on that team. Okay. So I can't really get away from that. Okay. Uh Booker I can't be angry with. But at the same time, you know, Kyrie. Kyrie's shooting at one point he was forty, fifty, ninety. I know. I know. It's just yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> I yeah, I know. I know. So I'm putting Beal and Kyrie. Okay, that's fine. on my second team. Second team or third team? Third team. Third team. Sorry, sorry. Okay. So, and so got, who's so my got, third? So you got so you got Gobert, you got Tatum, Beal, and Kyrie, and Kawhi. And Kawhi's your third. Okay. Yeah, okay. Kawhi's my third. So, so you want you want me to say my second team, and then you can work off that. You could take. Oh yeah, I'm going to do. I'll do my second team, and I'm just not. I'm doing who I want to put there, and who I think ends up there at the end of the year. Okay, that, that's so cool. I've got. Okay, go ahead. I've got uh, AD, Giannis, Jokic, Steph, and Dame. Okay, I got Joker. Um, Right now, at this part of the season, you know, again, I just said Embiid earlier is my MVP now, so obviously he's on that first team to give away that answer, which I don't think is really a secret. <laughs> um, but if if not for Embiid season, he would be number one right now. Like he's he's actually been like leaps and bounds better than last year, which is kind of crazy. Like, yeah, Jokic is like he's he's, he's my he's my second rated man crush right now. He's amazing. He's been he's been I I can't believe this the scoring outputs he's had this year. It's it's actually like kind of really shocked me. Sometimes I'm looking at the stat sheet, I'm like, he had forty again? What is this a typo? He, like it, his it's, crunch time numbers are bananas. 
Yeah, he's insane. He's in, he's in, he's insane. I love how he just plays like nothing shakes him off his his path, man. Like he's he's playing at his own <laughs> speed. You're not gonna speed him up. He's just playing the way he's gonna play, and that is it. You're playing to his energy, not the other way around. You know, I, I love saw highlight like that. I saw a highlight of a couple years ago because it was him playing and Jay Crowder was on Utah. Yeah. So Jokic goes to the hoop, gets fouled, and he's kind of walking past the hoop and after the whistle, and Crowder elbows him. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, just a little elbow, yeah. like whatever, like totally blatant. And <laughs> he like literally sums him. He turns. And I don't think Jay Crowder really realized how big he was. Mm-hmm. Like, as a human, just a big, He's a big chunk guy. of human. Yeah. And he, like, looked down at Jay Crowder and pushed him with his chest. Just pushed him around like little kids do on the playground. And Jay Crowder, I think, was like, he was laughing but scared at the same time because he's like, oh, shit, <laughs> I'm screwed up here. <laughs> and I thought it was hilarious. I was like, oh, Jay Crowder, not, not a good move, buddy. Uh but yeah, Jokic is, you could easily swap him and Embiid uh, because you, who knows how the second of the season, half of the season goes, and Jokic is just so much fun to watch. Yeah, um, I would say yeah, Giannis is on the second team right now. Um, yeah. Yeah, Kawhi's on my second team. I would say Beal, and I would say Lillard is on my second team as well. Yeah, AD is my legacy pick there. AD, yeah. AD for just, me. Just yeah. based on AD. Okay, sure, sure, which is fine. AD to me is, I think he's been slightly disappointing this year. Where I was expecting him to go, where I'm like, yo, this guy may possibly be an MVP coming into the season, right. even though he's playing with LeBron, because, you know, everybody who talked about LeBron being, you know, he should have won MVP last year, but like, and I, you know, obviously he's, he's the engine that, that drives that car, but. AD led the team in basically almost all the categories except for like assist and I think yeah. another category. Like he basically led the team in everything else, you know, yeah. like scoring, rebounding, like I think assist and something else he didn't lead. But everything else, it, it was AD's name all over that, you know. So I'm thinking, okay, going to the season and you win a championship, he's going to like make that like lead where you're just like, oh, my God, this guy might be the best player in basketball. And it's like I think he, <laughs> I think he took a step back, a little bit of a step back. He could be coasting because well, he – because yeah. they had a seventy-one day break between the finals and the and the and the um the start of the regular season, so it, he, and he, he got an injury history, yeah, and then he got injuries, right? So there's that too. So, but like either way, like I I don't have him on my list in the, in, the, in the all NBA right now. I did like right. he's an all star, but it's like yeah, I don't have him on my NBA team right now. Um, I'm interested to know if our first team is identical. Yeah, it's gonna be interesting to see. I I, I don't think it's gonna be though. Um, but you're the guest, so who's your who's your first team? I, I think we only have one player that's probably going to be different. Okay. So I have LeBron, KD, Embiid, Luka, and Harden. Okay, yeah, we have a different. <laughs> 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 um, I, I, um, you know what? You're right, though. You're right that we have one player difference. I don't have Luka on my right now on um, – he may finish on the third or second team. I don't have him on my All NBA team right now. I would say it's um, even though he's averaging twenty eight and and what have you. Um, I would say it's Steph. <clears throat> Excuse me, as, as uh, I oh, you Steph. put Steph on your first. Team. I put Steph on the first team right now. Yeah. So then you don't have Kyrie. 
I don't have Kyrie in my All NBA right now, which might. Where's Harden on your team? Sorry. Where's Harden on your squads? Oh, first he's first. The only difference on our first team is yeah, I swap out Luca, put in Steph. Everything else is the same. Oh, Booker was the name that you put in. Yeah, I put Booker. Booker's the name you have. So yeah, so I I, I had to jot this in quickly. So yeah, so third team: Gobert, Paul George. Jalen Brown, Mitchell, Booker, halfway mark of the season, third team. Uh, Joker, Giannis, Embiid. Sorry, Joker, Giannis, uh, Kawhi, Beal, and Lillard on my second team. Embiid, LeBron, KD, Steph Harden on my first. Nice. Okay. Yeah, for, so at, at this part of the season. this I, I'm, I'm not even saying this is how it's going to end. look at the end of the year because it may look different. So, so going forward, uh, what you know, I guess is my very last question. Really quick, it, it won't be long, but like, um, yeah. um, so going forward, what do you ex- what are your expectations going into the to the second half of the season? Do, do are you, you talking about a player? Is a team? Yeah. Do you see? Do you see a team? The standings. Anything like? Do you th- do you see a team making a leap? Do you see a big trade happening? Um, do you see Kyle Lowry ending up on the Sixers? Um, well, anything like what? what do I, you... I don't want to think about that because as a Raptors fan, just you want to keep them, but at the same time, you get it. You know that it's one, it's a business, and two, as a fan who, of what he's done, you want he's earned the opportunity to do whatever he wants. Right? right. I think we just see what you already know solidify as the season goes on. Right. Miami gets healthy. You see them move up the standings. You see the Knicks move down. You see the Raptors move up. You see a lot of the things you kind of already know solidify of the teams that we have talked about. I think that's what we're going to see going forward. And you're just going to see more of what is real because we haven't with all the COVID shit and injuries and people sitting out. We haven't really seen teams together enough yep. to know if it's real. Uh, I, w- I kind of want to look to watch a little bit more of, say, LaMelo Ball. I want to get a chance to see a little bit more of the Knicks. I want to watch Sixers just to see all this stuff take shape, yeah. right? Because now, now they're going to start, especially the Sixers, right? Because Doc is such a veteran coach. He's going to start tuning up. And he, I think he is one of the really, really underrated coaches. And he's going to start tuning up into that playoff run. And we'll see. One of the critiques of the Bucks was that Mike Budenholzer doesn't adapt to situations. So for the Sixers, one of their advantages might be Doc just out-coaching the other guys. Yeah, that, that could be it too. Because he's been there before and he's been through the wars. And like I said, chip on the shoulder, man. Like how we went out last yeah. year. You know, with the with the flame out and then lead, leaving a job, he's been there for the last like eight nine years. You know, yeah. that that doesn't sit well with you. And I mean, you can see it because he took the first the first big opportunity available. It's not like he sat out a year and you know, let me let me announce and you know do some <laughs> halftime shows at games. This guy like literally like like hopped on the hopped on the train and went right to Philly like literally like within hours. So yeah. you, you know, like yeah. this this is sitting on him. Like that's. That's something where, like, he definitely wants to rectify that issue. So, um, what are you looking for? I'm looking to see, like I said, I think I mentioned before, I, I, I can see Milwaukee. I'm looking to see where they go. 
Um, they're like an interesting. I like guess funny to call them a wild card, but because they haven't because of injuries and they haven't been gelling that well, I expect them to make like a, a leap going forward. Um, I want to see what Toronto does uh, by the deadline, so I'm I'm kind of waiting to see what they do first. But if they keep the team the way that they are, I can see them, especially if they can get healthy, because they're starting to really get their their footing, you know. And and people sleep on the fact too that like like you still kind of wonder, you know, the fact that they you know they're the only team that's not playing in their home city, you know, being adjusted to a new city, you know, even though it's mm-hmm. Tampa, Florida, the weather's nice. Everything else, they haven't been have they haven't had to deal with winter, but it's still not your city, you know what I mean? So like, yep. it's just that whole in and out of that. Your family's not there when you're, you know, for for the most part. Like it's that's got to be a little bit weird adjustment for them too. So that's, that, I'm I'm thinking that probably played a, a small part of why they didn't play so well to start off the year as well. But um, I'm interested to see what happens with them, and I think um, I think the other factor too, um, outside of like the you know the New Jersey, sorry, I keep saying New Jersey, but the Brooklyn's, uh, the Lakers, and even the Jazz that we we're talking about earlier, I'm interested to see what's going to happen with Portland because they're getting back McCollum and they should be getting back Nurkic in a couple of weeks. So mm-hmm. and they're like right now, I think they're fifth in the West. So I want to see what kind of like once those guys get back into this offense, like get back get back onto this team. With Covington, with you know Carmelo playing well, coming off the bench, how is that going to look the second half of the season for them too? Because Damian Lillard's been playing amazing and he's been keeping his team afloat. So adding yep. you know basically about thirty-five to forty points a game back into that lineup, what is that going to do for them? You know, so the West is going to be interesting. It's yeah, and and then I, I guess like you know, and where is Andre Drummond going to go? Is he going to go to a contender? Does he does he go on the Lakers? You know. Will he work yeah. on the Lakers? <laughs> you know, because I know some people question his IQ and stuff, but like, you know, I, I think he's, you know, like you're, he's going there to pick up garbage points and rebound, and that may be enough, right? So, hey, as a dive guy, as a pick and roll dive guy, I watched a bunch of Cleveland games early in the year. He really doesn't complicate the game, and has an impact. I thought he played by well doing this that. season. I thought he played yeah. well. Yeah, I thought he yeah. played well this season to, like until they, they benched him. But I thought I thought he was Yeah, well, I mean that was a business decision. Yeah, no, for right? sure, for sure. But But you got a guy who's gonna go out there, you don't have to run a play for him. He's gonna score fifteen, eighteen points a game, and he's gonna get fifteen, eighteen rebounds yep. a game. Yep. And I think a- that's all right. A lot of teams could use that going into a lot of contenders could use that, especially um, going yeah, into going into sure. the this season. And and I mean, shoot, <laughs> would it would would it be crazy if Brooklyn ends up getting him? <laughs> yeah, I think that would be a mess because for whatever reason they think DeAndre Jordan's worth ten million a year. Right, exactly. But it is what it is. I think the Celtics would be an interesting spot for him. They would be, yeah. But, again, none of us knows what's going to happen, and chemistry is one of those really fickle things mm-hmm. that if you put the wrong player in the wrong place... You could destroy the locker room. Absolutely. Yeah. I don't, although, I don't, a lot of I don't think he's that type of guy. Like, he's, by all accounts, he's, no. you know, he seems to be very fine in terms of his uh, where his head's at and stuff. He, so. Yeah, he's really developed into yeah. a guy who, in his early days in Detroit, he was literally a numbers guy. Yeah. Didn't, didn't understand the game, all that. And then when you watch him in Cleveland, 
His DHO reads are pretty good. Not crazy. Like, he's not blowing the doors off you, but he's not making mistakes. Right. And he's he's not going to hurt you in those areas. He's going to help you in the ways he can. And he really it looks as though he's learned to play inside himself. Yeah. So when I, you have a guy like that, that can help. Yeah, I think all that's going to be interesting where he ends up too. But um, but I guess we'll wrap up for now. Um, <laughs> but Bill, look, look, man, thank you so much for coming on this podcast, man. It was uh, it was uh, it was a it was a fun conversation to be had. Um, I appreciate you. Thanks for having me. No problem, man. Before we go, man, um, plug your stuff, man. Working, uh, you know, plug, <laughs> plug your show. Plug your show real plug quick. Plug my show. Plug your show. Man, Shameless plug yourself for the next 30 seconds. Go. Go ahead. Go. The, the Royal City Hoops one I had to put on the back burner because I'm working on another project <laughs> for work that I'm calling uh, the Flaccid Hammer. Being in the trade is harder than it looks. So the podcast, the basketball podcast is probably going to have to be a once a month thing okay. versus once a week. And the other thing's getting all my attention and I run a business. So that gets a lot of my attention too. And I got two kids. So I just love being able to come out and talk hoops with you. And I'm glad you were able to do it with me and hopefully we get to do it again. Yes. No problem. We, we, we will, especially when the playoff season comes. Cause I usually do, uh, um, especially Raptors over the last few years after this uh, tradition of doing, um, Post game podcasts of these uh, Raptors playoff games. So, um, yeah, you, we'll, we'll be seeing you again at some point, I'm sure. All right, Calvin. I appreciate it. Thank you for tuning in to the App Podcast. Special shout out goes out to Bill Gagne of the Royal City Who's Podcast, which you can check him out on his YouTube channel. Go check him out. Go check him out. Uh, thank you, as always, for tuning in. We got a new episode of the Av Podcast next week for you. For you listeners that are here for the first time, rate and review this episode and subscribe to all of the shows on South Sharav Radio. And also, welcome. Uh, the South Sharav YouTube channel, once again, is up and running. Check that page out. That's YouTube.com slash South Like and subscribe. Leave comments. Let me know how you feel about them. I appreciate all the love. And check out SouthShareAve.com for all my past episodes for my catalog. Once again, that's SouthShareAve.com. I'll say it one more time. One more time. <clears throat> that's SouthShareAve.com. For Bill Gagne, this is Cal C. And you've just tuned in to the Av Podcast on South Shore Ave Radio. Until next week, folks, peace. We out.